Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. Technically, uh, technically it is still Tuesday, November 5th for me. Uh, it's 10.01 p.m. on the West Coast, which means that um, there's just no way you're going to hear this before uh, Wednesday. For you, I'm sure, it's Wednesday, November 6th. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Uh, we have a fun show today. It's a little bit shorter. Um, I have a gigantic announcement, at least one I'm really excited about. A big announcement coming in the second topic of the show. Uh, and then but before that, we're going to do a film analysis of the Denver Broncos quarterback, Brandon Allen. A lot of Broncos fans are very excited. There's been a lot of buzz. Uh, I wanted to figure out what the fuss is all about, so I did a film analysis of him. Um, and first to start the show, though, I want to read a comment from YouTube. Uh, a guy named Bobby Gain commented this yesterday. It meant so much to me. It really, like, I sent it to my whole family. I was like, this is just so cool. It meant the world to me. So Bobby Gain wrote in. He said this. He said, oh, man, I finally get it. Your opinions are strong not because they're antagonistic, but because they're backed by fair, honest analysis. That meant so much to me. That was, that, oh, it touched my heart. Um, you know, when I first started the show, when I, when I first started doing this two years ago, uh, even a year ago, look, go look at my old videos. My approach used to be trying to be a part of the hot take factory, like everyone else in the media, trying to be like other people. And it just, uh, I came to realize I don't like that type of content. I don't like listening to it. It drives me nuts. And I don't like making it. I just wasn't proud of what I was making. And so, um, the show has evolved, and I'm really proud of what it's become. I love it. Uh, my goal is to be honest and fair. Uh, I, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing the best I can. And uh, I just, I just, I just really that comment meant so much. I try to be honest and fair, and I really, I try to say what I believe. Um, and I just, I know I can always stand with that, live with that. Um, I'm gonna steal that, man. I love that. Maybe I'll get that tattooed on me someday or something. Um, I want to read it again. He said, "My opinions are not strong. You know, strong opinion sports. The opinions are not strong." because they're antagonistic, but because they are backed by fair and honest analysis. Man, I, I am, I do the best I can, and that just meant a lot to me. I wanted to read that. Uh, okay, let's not shift gears to the Denver Broncos. Oh, man. On Sunday, the Denver Broncos started a guy at quarterback named Brandon Allen. Uh, he's a sixth-round pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. I didn't know much about him. I had to do some research. He went to uh, Arkansas. This was his, not only this was his first NFL start on Sunday. This, this was actually the very first time he's ever played in an NFL regular season game was on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, and he won. He won. He had two touchdowns. the The Denver Broncos beat the Browns twenty four to nineteen, and uh, I know that Broncos fans are really hopeful that he's the guy. They're desperate for a franchise quarterback. So I want to take a look at the film, and I want to I want to tell you now what the film says about Brandon Allen. First, you need to recognize that he got a lot of help from his running back, Philip Lindsay. The guy had two big runs, one for 30 yards, one for 40 yards. Philip Lindsay running the football had a big impact on the Broncos' offense. Now, the defense contributed to the win as well. They stopped the Browns on a fourth and one in the red zone. They got the Broncos the ball back. That's a big deal. Brandon Allen himself, the guy threw 20 passes. He was 12 for 20 passing. Now, three of those passes were screens. I don't really count those. Um, two of them were completed. One was not. You know, the incompletion is just a failed screen pass. It's not really his fault. And another one of his incompletions was a ball tipped at the line of scrimmage. Although it did look like he made the right read. There was a guy open downfield. So that takes four plays off the board, leaving us with 16 plays to evaluate Brandon Allen. Now, the Broncos did throw more times than that. Brandon Allen was sacked three times. One of them was the play right before halftime with 11 seconds left. Okay, no worry. One was not his fault. He had no chance. Now, there's one where you can argue that he held onto the ball too long. But me, I didn't love the play call. It's one of the few times all game where I didn't like the play call. Nobody was open. I think he was trying to get free and scramble. He actually can run a little bit, not fast, but he can run when he needs to. Now, how about those 16 throws? There's one thing I want you to pay really close attention to as I go through the film. Watch his eyes. He throws to his first option basically every single time. Three of his throws were just missed. 
You know, there were three incompletions where he threw the ball to the wrong shoulder. He missed his location. He simply wasn't accurate. Happened three times. There were also three throws where he recognized man coverage and threw the ball deep to that matchup. He threw up 50-50 balls. What that means is he threw the ball in the area and gave the defender a 50% chance to make a play and gave the receiver a 50% chance to make a play. Now, now Broncos fans might call this an improvement. Sadly, uh, Joe Flacco would throw a lot of deep passes and just be nowhere near his receivers. It was sad and hard to watch. And hey, Brandon Allen even completed one of these for a long touchdown to Cortland Sutton. Awesome. Another one of his 20 throws was a throwaway. There was nobody open, and he throws it into the stands. Although you'll notice if you watch his eyes, his eyes are glued to the right side of the field, and they never waver. On Sunday, Brandon Allen never worked all the way across the field on a read progression. Not once. He did throw a series of short throws underneath, a short out to the left. He threw a good slant to Cortland Sutton on a third and 11. He threw another out route for a four-yard gain. And on a third and one, the Broncos had a good play design, which created an open slant for a completion. And then, hey, near the end of the game, he threw a slant to his first read on a first and 20. So that's five more throws down. Let's talk about the last four. He also threw a 75-yard touchdown pass to Noah Fant. It sounds great, but Noah Fant really did most of the work. He caught a 10-yard pass. Then he ran over a dude and ran 65 more yards for a touchdown. And now that's pretty incredible. That's a tight end running 65 yards. He's ridiculously good. He's a rookie. Noah Fant's awesome. But that's not a great play by Brandon Allen. That's a great play after the catch by the tight end Noah Fant. Now his best throw was on a second and four, where he threw a really good pass on the run for a 16-yard gain. He also, I want to give him credit where credit is due, he had two solid throws on play action. Now they both were throws to his first read, but hey, they're solid completions downfield. I don't want to take too much away from the guy. Look, I want to be impressed with Brandon Allen. I really do. It's a good story. The guy came out of nowhere, had two touchdown passes, won the game. But the reality is that Brandon Allen had a lot of help. His defense made some big plays. His running back, Philip Lindsay, had some big runs. And his two touchdown passes, honestly, were just great plays by receivers where they did most of the work, not him. I did like his arm strength. He had that one deep ball. He threw a long ways. I was like, hey, wow. Brandon Allen can stretch the field. It was an incompletion, but I was still really impressed. But the guy threw his first option every single time. And if he keeps playing that way, teams are going to eventually take that away. I know this is a limited sample size. And maybe he, he takes this start and he builds off it. He gets much better. Awesome. But he wasn't extremely accurate on Sunday. He threw his first read. He had a lot of help. Uh, so overall, I'm not impressed with Brandon Allen. Maybe he's better in the future. I hope he is for the sake of Broncos fans. I know they're desperate for a quarterback. But I'm skeptical when I watch the film. The film tells me to be skeptical that Brandon Allen is the guy in Denver. Okay, uh, I'm going to drink my trusty drink. Gosh, I'm so excited. No, the, the cool announcement is not that I got a sponsorship from this drink. I wish it was. Uh, it's not true. Someday, maybe. I'm trying really hard. But that's not the case. No. Um, uh, I am so excited to announce that Strong Opinion Sports shirts are now available. If you want to buy a shirt, go to shirtsforyourpeople.com forward slash Strong Opinion Sports. Shirts for your people forward slash Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, the link is in the description below. And uh, this took a long time. I really wanted to do it the right way. It was very important to me to make a quality product worth selling and to do it with people I trust and people that I, I, I can count on. And I'll tell you that story right after this. I want to introduce the shirts first. And I think the best way to do that is to tell you a story. Uh, this is called a volunteer shirt. It's really crappy material. It sucks. I hate it. Um, in fact, I volunteered at an event for my college one time. I got one of these shirts. They suck. I hate them. They're terrible. They shrink after like two uses. And one time I ordered a shirt from a podcast I was a fan of. And I got a volunteer shirt. I got a crappy quality, awful shirt. It shrunk. It was terrible. I hated wearing it. And I was very disappointed with my experience. And so, you know, that, that crappy experience drove me to do it better when I got my chance. I really wanted to make a high quality shirt. Because uh, look, and not just because I want to give you guys a good product. I'll be honest. I want to wear my shirt. I want to wear the shirt and be proud of it. And like, oh, I'm going to wear this all the time. So I'm going to make it the right way. And so we're selling two styles of shirts. Number one is a premium cotton blend. It's $20. This is not a volunteer shirt 
It's high quality, good cotton material uh, that I love. It's it's cotton and I, I don't know, some other material. T-shirt Dave took care of it. I'll explain T-shirt Dave in a minute, but it's really high quality material that I love. That's one option. The other option, because that's $20 for the premium cotton blend. For $25, you can get a performance style shirt. Uh, it's a stretchy shirt, what kind of you would work out in. That's what I will wear all the time. I'm going to wear one of these. This is what I wear constantly. Uh, you know, I'm self-employed. I can wear whatever I want. Um, and I do, you know, even on my, on my show, it's a performance style shirt. It's stretchy type material that I love. Um, and so, you know, both of those shirts are a style of quality that I'm proud of. And I, I can't say it enough. It was so important to me to make a quality product and do it the right way and make something worth buying. Now, a very important detail here is that you can only buy shirts. Shirts are only available on sale until November 25th. On November 25th, there will be no more sales. Buy shirts between now and November 25th, and that's it. Uh, all orders are guaranteed to ship by December 13th. I think they'll shoot, ship faster, but they are guaranteed to all ship by December 13th. Um, in, in America, you will have your shirts before Christmas. I'm very excited about that detail. And it, I am also shipping shirts internationally. Um, I know that's uh, I, it's very important to some people. There are fans in Germany and all, all over Europe. There are a lot of fans of the show. I wanted to give you guys an option to buy shirts. Um, unfortunately, I cannot... Uh, promise to get you the shirt by Christmas. <laughs> I'll do the best I can. If you order a shirt in Germany, I can't guarantee it'll come to you before December 25th, but I'll do the very best I can to get you the shirt as soon as possible. And uh, on the left sleeve, it says first edition. It's in the same font as the logo. And uh, I hope you wear that with pride. And if you if you buy one of these shirts and it has that first edition on the side, man, because uh, they all do, by the way, I hope that's clear. Every shirt will have the first edition on the, uh, the left sleeve. And I hope you wear that with pride and can say, I was one of the very first people to ever buy a strong opinion sports shirt. You wear that with pride. Uh, I think that's awesome. I, I'm going to be proud to wear it. Look, this took forever. It took such a long time. Uh, I've been looking into this for months to make shirts and every option I ran into sucked. I didn't want to make a crappy quality shirt. I didn't want to have shipping take forever. I didn't want to give you guys poor customer service. By the way, if you have problems with your order, you can send an email to info at shirtsforyourpeople.com, info at shirtsforyourpeople.com. Send them an email, and they will help you. And because I hated every single option, uh, to solve the solution, I just said, screw it. I'm going to do this myself. I, I don't like the companies that are out there. I didn't like any options. And so I got help, and I started a new company. I'm working with a guy named T-Shirt Dave. T-Shirt Dave, he's become kind of a character in my life. He's a longtime friend of mine. I've known him for 10 years. He's the CEO of Shirts for Your People. He's a wonderful human. He's a cancer survivor. He's had two major surgeries. I love the guy. I trust him. I wouldn't work with him if I didn't. And, uh, you know, for example, when you get a shirt, by the way, know that it's packaged by T-Shirt Dave. He's the guy putting them into that package. And, and if we get too many orders, by the way, I'll be doing it too. I'll be in that, uh, in that place stuffing shirts myself. Um, I just am so grateful to work with Dave. I've known him for years. And he made this whole process so much better for me. I was kind of, uh, my dad made fun of me. He said I was militant about it, which is not wrong. I was very, very, um, had very good attention to detail. I wanted to get high quality material I liked. And Dave was very accommodating and helped me through the entire process. And uh, four families came together to make shirts for your people happen. A new company that I, I just, I love. Um, I'm part of, I'm a, I'm a minority, very, very small minority owner. And I got to plug it, of course, and because I, I do, I did it to help people too. I really believe this. If you are a brand and want to make shirts and sell them, come to us. We're, I think we're a better option. I've worked really hard to make a, create a new system uh, that I just think is more efficient and better. And uh, I just, uh, I wanted to do this the right way. I wanted to give you guys buying the shirts a good experience. I wanted to be a good experience on my end too. And so this isn't a cash grab. Uh, I could have sold the shirts for more money. Uh, I, I could have had higher margins. I don't. I wanted to make an, a, an affordable shirt with high quality material. And again, if you have problems with your order, send an email to info at shirtsforyourpeople.com. T-shirt Dave is on the other side of that email. He'll answer. He'll help you and take care of it. And uh, I hope that all makes sense. <laughs> you know, the premium cotton blend, that shirt is $20. And the performance style shirt costs $25. That's more of a workout shirt. That's what I'll wear. Remember, order your shirt before November 25th. Uh, that's the, this is the only time, this is the only time between now 
and November 25th is the only time these shirts will be available. Uh, I love you guys. I appreciate it. I wanted, I just, uh, I'm so excited, man. I worked really hard on this for a long time and it was just so passionate about getting you guys and making sure that the shirts were a high quality product that I will wear. I'm going to wear them every day. I'm not even kidding. I will wear them with pride and I'm proud to sell them to you because we did a good job and we made a high quality product. Now, another big announcement also fell into place. Another big thing happened today. Um, Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I don't know if that's during the LSU game or not, but I think it's going to be archived anyways. Um, I will be live streaming the audio of my broadcast of the Washington State Cal game on the Strong Opinion Sports YouTube channel. You can listen in if you want. Listen to my broadcast. Me and Sean O'Connor, a guy I broadcasted with last time, we're doing the live stream. Uh, We'll be able to live stream on Strong Opinion Sports. I'm so excited for that. If you want to listen to me broadcasting on Saturday, you can. It'll be on the channel. I can't wait for that. And uh, with that, I want to shift gears now to uh, another topic. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a mess, man. I, I, it's, it's 11, almost 11 o'clock at night. It's 1036 at night. I am discombobulated. I'm a mess. I'm doing the best I can. I, uh, I just, <laughs> oh, man. I had an allergic reaction today. I had a really bad allergic reaction to milk where I just was stupid. I, being allergic to dairy is a newer thing for me. And I just saw like a little, you know, I went to my mom's house. I was do, out do running errands and I went to my mom's house and stopped by. And she had her Halloween candy still out. One of them was like a little little candy bar, the bite-sized chocolate. And I grabbed one. I ate it and uh, was like, oh, no. And I got really sick and my throat closed over. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm just not used to not being able to eat whatever I want. It really stinks. Um, anyways, I want to shift gears to, uh, I just, if you're allergic to dairy, I'm so sorry. It's the worst. I miss milk. I miss chocolate. I miss milkshakes. Oh man. Uh, it's, it's not fun. I've almond milk is pretty great. Actually cashew milk's better. Um, but it's just not the same. It's not. Okay. I'm sorry for that tangent, man. I just, uh, I want to shift gears now. I watched USC play Oregon this weekend and, uh, I was really impressed with USC freshman, Keaton Slovis. Now I know that USC lost 56-24. to 24, uh, And if you look at the box score, Keaton Slovis had three interceptions. But he's young. He's 18 years old. He's a true freshman. And one of the interceptions was tipped off one of his receiver's hands and bounced up in the air. Uh, another was on a fourth and nine where he ran around and he just had to throw the ball. He had to throw the ball. On fourth and nine, he got to make a, try to make a play. His receiver fell over, got intercepted. Now there was one really bad interception that was like, Ooh, it was bad. The safety came down to play the curl, the flat. Keaton Slovis didn't see him. He threw the ball anyways outside. Pick six. It was ugly. Uh, and I think you're, you're listening to this wondering, why, why am I talking about Keaton Slovis, the USC quarterback who came off the bench? He was number two going into the year. And uh, the reason I'm talking about Keaton Slovis is because I saw three things that I, made me go just, wow, that's some NFL potential. It shocked me. I was, I was really impressed. And so the number one thing I saw from Keaton Slovis on Saturday was incredible ball location. The guy's really accurate. He hits the proper shoulder every single time. Uh, one throw was low. He threw it low to protect his, his receiver. And Keaton Slovis is highly, highly accurate. That impressed me. The other thing that really impressed me was the way he calmly worked through his read progression. You know, there were times where he worked all the way across the field. He was throwing on his fo- to his fourth or his fifth option. It's a rare thing to have a guy work all the way across the field. His calm demeanor in the pocket stood out to me. And you got to understand, there are guys, Mitchell Trubisky or Drew Locke, quarterbacks in the NFL still aren't able to work all the way across the field to their read progressions. Keenan Slovis at 18 at USC is throwing to his third or fourth, sometimes even fifth option. That's so impressive that a guy can calmly work through a defense and do something sometimes pros struggle with. It's a big deal. Keenan Slovis really, really impressed me. And the last thing he did that I loved uh, was I, I got to witness his ability to extend plays he wasn't it's not really scrambling I guess you can call it that he was ne- he never ran to gain yards he's not fast but he was able to run around behind the line of scrimmage and effectively extend plays and it was so impressive to me it actually reminded me a lot of Gardner Minshew at Washington State and I just am so fascinated with Keaton Slovis and the future he'll have at USC uh, there's gonna be a fun battle in the next couple of years I guess in the next year next uh, spring and fall JT Daniels, the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, he tore his ACL. He'll return to USC's team to play. He'll be back playing again. And that battle between JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis is so interesting to me because I don't know who's going to win. 
But Keaton Slovis actually might. He's looking fantastic at times. I know he's young, um, but he could develop into a really young quarterback. He's made mistakes as a young kid. But wow, for an 18-year-old kid, I just see some flashes of next-level stuff and wonder if Keaton Slovis could develop into a really good NFL quarterback. I don't know yet, but the three things I saw, his accuracy, his ability to work away and go to his third and all the way across the field, throw to his third and fourth, maybe in fifth read, and then Keaton Slovis' ability to extend plays and run around behind the line of scrimmage, I was so impressed. And I think he might have NFL potential. Keep your eye on Keaton Slovis, the USC quarterback. Okay, really quickly, um, before we take a break, I want to shift gears to the topic I do every single episode. If you're struggling, please go get help. I encourage everybody, if you're having a hard time, uh, three years ago, my younger brother took his life. I had no idea it was coming. Uh, it was brutal and painful. And my brother never shared his struggle. So if you're struggling, go get help. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. If you're struggling, go get help. But also, make sure the people in your life know how much you love them and know how much you care about them. I didn't do a good enough job reaching out to my brother and making it clear the door was open for him to come talk to me. And so don't be afraid to have hard conversations and talk about more than just sports and video games and movies or whatever. Tell the people in your life how much they mean to you. Tell them you love them. So again, if you're struggling, go get help. And then make sure the people in your life know that they're, they're loved. Because I didn't do a good enough job reaching out to my younger brother. He never told me about his problems. And part of that was on him. Part of that was on me. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach. I am so, so excited. All right, we are back. Uh, I was just thinking about this. I took a break, and you know, I take a break, and I kind of walk away for a couple minutes and just clear my mind. Um, I think that doing the show was the first time I'd talked all day. Until I hit record and started doing the show, I don't think a word had come out of my mouth all day. And I live alone. Um, my place is super empty. I don't even have a couch yet. And I, I really think that the solitude of it is uh, I, I just hadn't talked. I hadn't talked to anybody until I did the show. I love doing it. I'm uh, so grateful for you guys. I want to now shift gears to... Ask Zach. Ask Zach is the segment and the way I end every single one of my podcasts. Uh, people who support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can give more if you want. Please do. It literally pays my rent. Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions. Uh, to me, I only accept questions on Patreon. And, um, you know, you can send me a Patreon DM. You can comment on a post on Patreon. And I will not guarantee to discuss your question on the show, to read your question and answer it on the show. But I do guarantee I read every single question. I use my eyeballs and I look at every single question that is sent to me on Patreon. And I pick the best couple at the end of every single episode to answer on the show. I want to start with a question from Julie. And Julian writes and he says, Hey, quick question. Are Ask Zach questions supposed to be on threads and not DMs? If yes, should I just repost my question on another thread later on? Uh, if you're listening and you're a Patreon supporter, send your question to me either through a DM or a post on Patreon. Uh, I like when people resend their questions on newer posts because it helps me find them. But I accept questions on D the DMs or on a post. on. I, I, I try to look through everything I can every single episode and scour everything. The newest post is where I look first. So if you post your question on the newest post, that helps me find it or sending me a direct message. That's the easiest way. The older post is easy for your ideas and questions to get buried, but I'm doing the best I can. I also wanted to acknowledge Brandon. Brandon asked an NFC West question. Uh, he wanted me to predict the NFC West. I'll do that tomorrow. I'm really excited for that. Um, so today I want to start with Anthony. Anthony writes in and says, Hey, Zach, as a Dolphins fan, it felt really good to get a W, especially against a division rival. However, if you don't know that the Dolphins beat the Jets. However, it's a little bittersweet as this, if, as if, as, if the season ended last week, the Dolphins would have had the number one pick, but now they've been knocked all the way down to number five and could be in danger of missing out on some of the top quarterback prospects. After, Scott, after stockpiling so many draft picks, I would hate to see them trade a bunch away. I would hate to see them have to trade a bunch of those draft picks away to move up and grab a quarterback. My question is this. Is it better for the Dolphins to lose out and get a guaranteed top three pick, or is it better for the Dolphins to win some games does the confidence boost of winning help more than losing draft stock hurts? The Dolphins are perhaps the least talented team in the league, but it can also be hard to shake off a negative losing culture. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> when the Dolphins beat the Jets, I, I was talking to my dad. I was like, man, 
You know who, who really won today were the Bengals. The Bengals lost, and they moved up to number one. Like they're going to get the top pick if things keep going this way because the Dolphins won. It's weird, too, to like watch the Dolphins and be like, oh, they won? Oh, that's bad for them. Like It's, it's very bizarre because it seems like they're tanking. They're miserably bad. Everyone kind of assumes that they want to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And it's very interesting. If you go to Instagram and look at the Dolphins' uh, Instagram, they, they had a, a video of their coach's pregame speech. Brian Flores giving a pregame speech after the game. He got the game ball for the win, his first victory. Everyone seemed kind of excited. And uh, there's a guy that goes, the first win and many more to come. And uh, you know, Flores goes, let's not make this a one-time thing. And I was like, man, uh, let's, let's make this a one-time. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're like, I hope you don't win. I want the number one overall pick. I want to get two. I want to get Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. Um, now, I will acknowledge, I know the Dolphins want a, number, want a quarterback. They might not need the number one overall pick in the NFL draft to get a quarterback. I think a lot of guys are going to be available next year. It's going to be a crazy NFL offseason with a bunch of guys opening up. And so you might not need to get Tua or Justin Herbert, or Joe Burrow. There might be other ways to get a quarterback through free agency. Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, maybe. Maybe. This would be insane if Tom Brady went in division to Miami to play. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater will be available. There's going to be a lot of guys who are not rookie quarterbacks that will be available if the Dolphins want one. Um, but I, I think they definitely want it. They're trying to draft a guy. I Honestly, actually, to be, to be frank, I have no idea what the Dolphins are thinking. Do they think they want to build around Josh Rosen? Do they want a veteran? Do they want a rookie quarterback? I don't know. Um, but it does appear that the Dolphins are tanking. Here's why I think the Dolphins are tanking. And tanking, by the way, happens at a management level. Tanking is not the players. Uh, the players aren't trying to tank. They can't afford to. Players have to put out a good product every week because, you know, they, if they want to play in the league next year, what they put on film has to be good plays, has to be high quality. They're trying to play well so they have jobs next year. It's a weird dynamic where... I think that the Dolphins' management is tanking. What that means is the Dolphins are trying to put out the worst players possible. But then from there, everything has to go towards winning. You can't have a coach. Like Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins, can't have his plan be, we're not trying to win. You know, you got to keep your skills sharp. You got to make a good game plan every week. You got to have people believe in you because eventually the plan in Miami is to win games. <laughs> so Brian Flores can't come out and like be not trying to coach a team to victory every week. Brian Flores is trying to win. The players are trying to win. The general manager might not be. The general manager traded away good players. They, I don't understand the Mika Fitzpatrick trade. I really don't. Um, you don't trade away a good player to try to draft another good player. It's, it's a one-to-one comparison, one-to-one trade. It's kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, maybe maybe you know, he was just unhappy and wanted out of Miami. That's why he got traded to the Steelers. Um, but it's just a weird, bizarre balance and a weird dance where the players and the coaches are doing everything they can to win, but the management might not be. Now, what's better for the Dolphins? Oh, boy. Uh, I think it's better if the Dolphins have a higher draft pick. I do. I think they want, to get, they want to start fresh. They don't want Josh Rose, and they don't want Teddy Bridgewater. They want to start fresh with a rookie quarterback and build around him. That's what I think they're going to do and going to attempt to do. But it's really hard to be like, oh, you won? That's bad. Because <laughs> you know, how do you build a culture if you're losing every game? It's hard to. So you got to give it everything you ha have. And if you win a game along the way, you, if you're a Dolphins fan, I guess you can be mad at the meta game. Like, oh, dang it, we're trying to tank. But if you win a game, I think it's good for your culture because that's the pursuit. <laughs> that's, the pursuit is trying to win games. So um, it's a complicated answer. I know that probably doesn't make any sense. I didn't give a hard black and white. But I guess if you're a Dolphins fan and your team wins more games, be happy. Because it means that you have a competent coach who's making the, the best of a really awful roster in a really awful situation. And so I guess, yeah, if you're a Dolphins fan and you win games, try to have a good attitude about it. <laughs> Even though I know you're trying to tank for Tua. All right, the next question, there's uh, two questions I want to answer in one. I want to read both at the same time. Uh, the first one, question is from Devin with an E. My freaking phone, whatever. Hey, dude, oh my gosh, whatever. I'm going to read it sideways. Devin writes in, Devin says, do you believe the Chargers will ever succeed in the LA market or will they be forced to move somewhere else, to move somewhere? Do you believe the Chargers will ever succeed in the LA market or will they be forced to move somewhere? If not, where and why? Where will they move and why? 
Matthew writes in, Matthew says, just saw a hot take on whether the Chargers should move to London after not being able to find a fan base in LA. What are your thoughts on a team, whether it's Jacksonville, the LA Chargers, or otherwise moving to London? Also, if the NFL expands to other countries, would it need to change its name? Now, the NFL will not change its name. Uh, it's a too big of a brand to recognize. Uh, number one, people in LA who aren't Chargers fans are really difficult to get them to become Chargers fans. Uh, people in LA are Packers fans. They're Steelers fans. They're Bears fans. They're Giants fans. They're fans of the team and the place they came from. Now, I lived in LA once. I worked on a movie there. And I understand the movie industry is probably a very, uh, it's, it's not a, it's a certain group of people. They go to LA to work on movies. But everybody I met in LA was not from LA. I haven't ever met someone in LA who was actually from LA. I'm not even kidding. I, it blew my mind. I was like, the, like the number one question when you get, when you're in LA is, where are you from? Because everyone is from all over the world and all over the country. Very rarely. In fact, I never did. I never met anybody who was actually from Los Angeles when I lived in LA. Um, and so, it's really hard to get people to, if you're from Wisconsin and you live in Los Angeles, you're a Packers fan. If you're from New York and you live in Los Angeles, you're a, <laughs> you're a Giants fan. If you live, if you're from Portland, Oregon or from Seattle, Washington, and you live in LA, you're a Seahawks fan. Now, in a Portland's different. Portland's its own city, not necessarily. I'm from Portland. I'm not a Seahawks fan. Um, <laughs> a lot of people accuse me of that. I don't even talk about Seahawks that much. I don't care. Uh, my point is this. Um, it's really hard to get people to change their allegiance when they're already a fan of someone else. That's why the Chargers have so many, they play games and it's really like an away game in their own stadium because people from LA, the Char all the Packers fans in LA go to the game when the Packers play the Chargers. All of the Bears, whenever the Bears go to LA, all the Bears fans that live in Los Angeles go to the stadium and watch the Bears play the team in LA. That's how it works. There's a really good video on this. I recommend you watch it. Uh, it's I hate plug. I don't hate it because he, he deserves it, but he's way bigger than me. Uh, Pat McAfee made a video about the London thing, and Pat McAfee has played in the NFL. He has got inside it. He's played in games in London, so he really understands this dynamic. Um, Pat said that you know logistically, not just you know playing a game alone is hard in London because it's a long flight. It's a whole bunch of it's a giant mess. And if you were to put a team in London, you'd have to make families move there for like eight weeks out of the year because they play eight home games. And they're not going to live permanently in London. And then here's another wrinkle. that This is what was really cool that Pat mentioned that I really liked and had some insight on. And he's totally right. It's something I hadn't thought of is that when an, a lot of people don't realize how frequently players fly to the city a team is in, work out for them, and then... Might not make it. But you have to fly to that team to try out and work out for them at their facility. Uh, an example I think of, I follow uh, Max Brown. He's from Washington, where I grew up, where I live. Uh, Max Brown is a former USC quarterback. Last year, went and worked out for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. He went to Virginia and worked out for the Washington Redskins at their facility. He didn't make the team, but he had to fly to both locations to try out for them. If there's a team in London, are you going to fly people all the way to London to try out for you just to not make it? Like, that's a very difficult thing to convince people of, and it's hard to do that. So you'd have to either have a location, a headquarters in America, where you practice eight times, you know, for it's just, it's very convoluted having to travel back and forth all the time. And then here's a really big thing that is very important, is that I talked about how in LA, fans in LA haven't adopted the Chargers. If you move a team to London... You're not necessarily going to make a bunch of people in London suddenly Chargers fans or suddenly Jaguars fans. I made a, a really dumb video years ago where um, I, I made a strong argument because I was, I was being the, you know, the hot take guy at the time. I had a different approach back then. And um, I said that if you, if you moved a team like the Jaguars to London, you dominate the market because you're the only people there. There's a ton of money in London if you move there. And I don't think that's actually true. Look at London. There's some, London is very similar to L.A. People in London are Bears fans, they're Giants fans, they're Jaguars fans, they're Packers fans, they're Patriots fans, they're Falcons fans. A lot of Falcons fans internationally like the colors, they like, they saw that Super Bowl run with Matt Ryan. There's a lot of people internationally and they already have a team. 
if you're a Falcons fan and the Chargers move to your city, you're still probably going to be a Falcons fan. It's rare because we see it in L.A. Falcons fans in L.A. haven't converted and become Chargers fans. Why would a Falcons fan in London convert and become a Chargers fan? It's not going to happen. So um, I think logistically it'd be a mess. I don't think they'd necessarily... They're not guaranteed to find a fan base if you move a team to L.A. I think, honestly, somewhere in Alabama or somewhere in St. Louis, Las Vegas is getting a team that's great. Go somewhere that really wants an NFL team. There's a city out there, I know, that would love to have an NFL team. It, may, it might be London. I might be wrong. There might be a group of people vying to get the L.A. Chargers there, but I don't think that the Chargers would necessarily find a fan base in London, especially. I don't know if any team can. It's too difficult to, to have it, the, the whole eight games in London than eight games uh, in America. That's very difficult. And then there's so many other distractions in London. Not only is there soccer, which soccer is the main dominating sport in Europe, there's also just a ton of other things to do. There's so many other things to invest your time in. When I lived in LA, oh my gosh, there is there's a plethora of stuff to do. I know that's a very common thing people say. Not, I, in fact, for that reason, I wouldn't want to go back to LA because I get overwhelmed. Like, oh, I, just, I just want to be at my house and work, literally. Um, but I just don't believe that if you move a team to London necessarily, you're guaranteed a fan base. I think it's hard logistically, and I don't know that having a team in London is a good idea. I think having more neutral site games there is great because people want to go to the games. Give the people in Europe that experience. But I don't think that having a team in London is necessarily the best idea. All right. Uh, the next question is from Dominic. Dominic writes in, he asked about the LSU game. Dominic writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, I was just wondering what your precautions, I don't know if he means precautions. That's pretty funny if he does, or predictions. But he says, what are your precautions for the LSU versus Alabama game this weekend? What do you think LSU needs to do in order to get the win? Thanks in advance. Love your show as always. So I think there's a chance that LSU actually gets smoked in this game. LSU and Alabama play. Um, maybe not. Maybe LSU doesn't get beaten pretty badly. They have an incredible quarterback, Joe Burrow, that I love. And I'm excited to watch this matchup. I, think, I hope it's going to be great. But LSU's margin of victory in a couple of their games concerns me. Uh, you know, the Texas-LSU game. LSU beat Texas 45-38. to 38. They gave up 38 points to Texas. They only beat them by 7 points. I know that LSU's beaten a lot of teams badly, but then you look at, okay, well, they beat Florida 42-28. to 28. They beat Florida by 14 points. They won by two touchdowns, but that's against a backup quarterback. They gave up 28 points to Kyle Trask, the backup quarterback at Florida. I think Bama would embarrass Texas. I think Bama, I think Alabama is going to beat Florida if they play them. I don't know if they do it. I don't think they do this year. But if Alabama played Florida... I think Bama wins by four touchdowns. I think, I think Alabama embarrasses Texas, and they embarrass Florida because they're just better physically. And I don't like saying all this because I know Texas fans and Florida fans get all mad, and you know, college football fans in general are far more emotional. They're kind of irrational, and they just, you know, they, all they want to hear, all, you know, Baylor fans really want me to talk about their team. And all Baylor fans want to hear is, my team's undefeated, they're going to win a national championship. And if I say anything else other than Baylor's incredible, get really mad at me. If I'm re- if I give you my realistic opinion, people get mad. I don't like, that's why college football is difficult for me because people are so irrational in that sport. Um, but look at the Auburn Auburn LSU game. LSU beat Auburn 23 to 20. Right against a freshman quarterback, LSU barely won. It was a a close game till the end. It's a physical their physical equivalents, right right LSU and Auburn match up physically really well. LSU and Florida match up really well. LSU and Texas match up physically really well. And I think it's possible Alabama just dominates LSU because they're physically far better. They're just the margin. If, if you play, when Alabama plays Auburn, they probably are going to beat them pretty badly. A freshman quarterback against Alabama's defense, oof, feel bad for that. I think it's possible. My prediction for the game, honestly, is that if Tua Tungvalu plays well, and you know the quarterback of Alabama is questionable, he's, he's, he's people say he's going to play. I think if one team wins by a lot, it's going to be Alabama. I think it's possible Alabama wins by two or three scores and pulls away late, where they get another touchdown at the end to make the score two scores or three scores at the end. Um, I hope it's a close game. I'm not guaranteed that it will be, 
But the key is Alabama's quarterback, Tua Tungavaloa. You know, he got surgery on his ankle. And to me, Tua, Joe Burrow, or Justin Herbert, in fact, actually, I think it's just Tua or Joe Burrow, they're the two best quarterbacks in college football. Bama healthy, you know, Bama with a healthy Tua is a very different program than Bama without Tua. Tua is expected to play. I saw a video of him throwing today, um, and I hope that LSU and Alabama is a wild, incredible football game. But again, if one team wins by a blowout, it's not going to be LSU. The question, the question in this game is, can LSU rise to the occasion? The question is not about Bama. The question in this game is LSU. That's my precaution. That's my thought about the LSU-Alabama game. Lenny writes in. Lenny had a question. He says, in about a week, we are going to see a great quarterback matchup between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Who do you think is the, t- is the best of the two right now? Who do you think is the best of those two quarterbacks right now? And who has the highest ceiling? Uh, I think Deshaun Watson does. Deshaun Watson's better. He's a better passer. I think one of the most, you know, Deshaun Watson is one of the most underappreciated football players in the entire NFL. Nobody talks about him as much as he deserves. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's getting credit finally this year, finally, but Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are two of the most undervalued and underappreciated football players in the world. Um, You know, both have incredible arms and both are able to, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are able to win with average to bad quarter, bad, average to bad offensive line play. They can still win games. Uh, Deshaun Watson's unreal. I really should do a film analysis of him to explain how much I love watching him, why he's so good. Um, you know, he just he can run, but he runs differently than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson runs to run for yardage. Deshaun Watson can do that, but Deshaun Watson runs when he needs to. And he usually runs to extend plays and keep a play alive and throw the ball downfield. Lamar Jackson lowers his head and runs. Um, and uh, to me, you know, Deshaun Watson's a better passer than Lamar. He just is. He's got better accuracy. He's got, I mean, he just throws the ball better. He's got better location, more accurate. And he's better at reading defenses. Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback. Excuse me, well, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I think he has a higher ceiling because his ability to throw the ball is better. And at the quarterback position, as much as I love what Lamar's doing, I, I, I just did a topic of how impressed I was about Lamar. But quarterback's still about throwing the ball. And Deshaun Watson's vastly better at throwing the ball than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, is a better quarterback and has a higher ceiling than Lamar. The next question is from Ryan. <sighs> I love this question. Ryan says, hey, Zach. I've been listening to this podcast for about a month and a half now. And listening to, sh- listening to your show is one of the best parts of my week. When I discovered you, I was in a terrible place mentally. And your message made me open up to my family and friends and begin to get help. Dude, thank you, by the way. I got some comments yesterday that were like, I hate when you do this topic. It's so depressing. If you don't like the topic, if you're struggling, get help. You can skip it. I hope you're aware of that. If you don't like that topic, skip ahead. But that, that, that message... I've heard from many people that message is important to them. I'm going to leave it in. I think if you're struggling to get help, it's an important segment. I'm glad you said that, Ryan. Uh, it's, it's, it's meaningful to me. <laughs> Ryan said, I want to say thank you for the impact you've had on my day today and also for your preaching about mental health awareness. My question is, who inspires you to work hard day in and day out, and where do you see yourself in five years with regards to your show? Thanks again for everything you do and will continue to do with the show. So, yeah, my brother is the biggest inspiration to me. Uh, he's the reason I started the show. Uh, five, years or, five years from now, I just hope that I have better tools to make the show. Uh, my whole life is dedicated to, I got my own place because I wanted a better spot to make the show. Uh, I got faster internet. I pay for faster internet because I want to make the show better. I don't sleep because I want to make the show. My whole life is geared toward creating as the best possible show I can. Um, I hope that, Five years from now, I have better tools, a faster computer. I hope I have a show that has more guests more frequently. Uh, maybe someday I hire an editor. I'll be on like a video editor. Although I'll be honest, I just uh, I don't want to change too much. I really like the tone of the show. I feel like a rebel, like I'm an anti-television network. I, I do my own thing. I do it my way, um, and I don't want much. I'm very happy. I love my life. I have a wonderful girlfriend. I have uh, my dream job. Uh, I I just uh, I have it all, man. I, I really love it. 
Uh, I just want to keep growing uh, in viewership, and I really want to get better. You know, it's so hard, but I want to just steadily improve every single episode. I wrote down three things that motivate me. Uh, number one is that I love this. I, I love making strong opinion sports. You can't do this if you don't love what, if you don't love making content. You can't do what I've done, and it's just impossible because the sleepless nights. Um, the, the, it's too much work. And just, I think too many people, if they try to do what I do, I think they would quit. Honestly, it's really, really difficult. I don't sleep a lot. I'm on edge. I'm tired, uh, but I'm proud of it. And I love it. If you don't love it, I don't think you could do it. And then I have genuine curiosity. The number two thing is curiosity. Um, you know, when I watch film, for example, I genuinely want to learn. I want to learn, you know, what's the film say about Josh Rosen? Does he suck? Why was Marcus Mariota benched? How good is Jimmy Garoppolo? These are questions I want to answer. I love doing that. with. That's why I watch film, as I love it. When I made the first ever film analysis video of Josh Rosen, I was just curious. Does he suck? The media kept talking about Josh Rosen. Nobody talked about the facts. They just said opinion after opinion after opinion. I was like, let's just get to the, the root of this. Is he good or not? What's the film say? And that's my approach and what it's always been. I'm just genuinely curious. And, you know, the storylines for me are so much fun to follow. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the third thing that motivates me um, is fear. I grew up in a mobile home. <laughs> uh, my family was homeless at one point in my life in high school. That's miserable. I don't ever want to go back to that. I really, really, uh, I want to have kids someday. I want to have a good place for them. Uh, and I, I just, I just want to be able to pay my rent. I just want to be successful. I just want to survive. Um, you know, I, uh, I love my humble little place. It's given me privacy. It's given me solitude that I love. It's given me comfort. Uh, and I have this incredible workspace that I love. And um, you know, the three reasons I love this show and the three reasons that motivate me, you know, I, I love doing strong opinion sports. I'm passionate about it. Um, I'm genuinely curious. I have questions I want answered. I love the following storylines. And then number three is I'm motivated by fear. I don't want to fail. I just don't. I love this show so much. I don't want to lose it. Um, and nothing means more to me in the entire world than strong opinion sports. This is just my favorite thing in the world. And doing this show, I believe, comes with a lot of responsibility. I don't screw around. I don't go out drinking with my friends. Um, my job is to watch sports and make content about it. And I take that job very, very seriously. Uh, I've missed out on parties and get-togethers. And uh, part of that's because I, I'm an introvert who's a quiet nerd who would rather stay home and work and watch film. That's honestly genuinely what I would rather do than go out. But part of that is because... Uh, I, I think that, you know, to do this, you got to pay the price and uh, to pay the price of having the job you love and having the best job in the entire world, you got to pay the price, which means skipping out on going out with your friends and um, means you don't have as much social fun, but I get to do the job I love. And I think that's, you know, my friends hate their jobs. And if I can have the job I love, it's all worth it to me. It really is all, all worth it to me. Um, and then it's really, really hard to gradually get better. I, I'm trying everything I can. I hope every episode it gets a little bit better every single time, um, but it's so easy for things to get formulaic. I felt myself kind of drifting in, drifting into that. Uh, it's so so easy for things to become formulaic, um, and I have to fight against that really really hard. So those are the three things that motivate me. I love it. I'm genuinely curious. I'm passionate about it, and I have a lot of fear. I don't want to fail. Now, the last thing I want to read uh, for from Patreon is from Julian. Julian writes in. He says, "Hey Zach." I'm quite a new fan. I'm quite a new fan. Started listening at the beginning of the NFL season. I wanted to add to the international fan stories you wanted to know more of. Now I'm a Seahawks fan, and I didn't really start until I was blessed enough to visit my family in Seattle. Now for context, I'm Filipino, and I'm living in New Zealand. I'm a proud New Zealand citizen now. Congratulations, Julian. That's awesome. Basketball has always been a big, big in the Philippines. I got it. What the heck? Why won't it flip? You know, you ever, your phone ever done this where it won't turn? Thank you. Thank you. It's right side up. And it just would not flip. <laughs> where were we? Now for context, this is Julian. Now for context, I'm Filipino and living in New Zealand. I'm a proud New Zealand citizen now. Congratulations. That's awesome. Seriously, dude, that, that's fantastic. Uh, basketball had always been big in the Philippines and the people really loved the sport. So it was natural that the NBA was huge in the Philippines. I used to be like you and just love watching basketball and I never really hooked onto a team until that amazing trip. I got to experience a division clinching game between the Seattle supersonics and OKC slash, you know, OKC thunder. Oh, sorry. 
the Seattle Supersonics slash OKC Thunder and New Orleans Hornets. It was then my little brainchild and my heart got hooked on the atmosphere and the passion of the people in Seattle. Strangers coming together and sharing a love for their team and sport. I've never felt so at home than while being surrounded by an entire stadium of people I did not know. That's awesome you felt that way in Seattle. Uh, I used to live in Seattle. That's really cool. So from that trip on, I started supporting the Seattle sports teams. I never had time to watch all the sports, so American football and basketball were the two sports I followed. He said, apologies for the essay, but I wanted to share and reach fandoms that American sports has had on the world. Keep up the good work. I'm so glad to have found your channel. Thank you, Julian. And there's, you know, there's a part of the story I've never told. I forgot. I used to be a Seattle Mariners fan and a Seattle Sonics fan. The Sonics left and the Mariners sucked. And I was like, screw it. I don't have a favorite team. I was never that into the Seahawks. And I was like, I don't, that's why I don't, the reason I don't have a favorite team is because the Mariners broke my heart and the Sonics broke my heart when they left. I was a big Seattle Sonics fan. I was so excited. Like when I was a kid, I would say, dad, I'm going to move to Seattle someday. I'm going to go to all the sports games. They have every sport I could ever want. They didn't have hockey. I think they're getting hockey. They had like a, there was a way to watch hockey. I can't remember why, but I know there's hockey in Seattle somewhere, but I was like, man. I'm going to go to Seattle when, I'm a, when I was a kid. I wanted to grow up. I had pictures and a photo album. It's like, I'm going to go to Seattle and watch every sports game I want. They have every, you know, because we lived in Portland and Portland only has the Blazers. The freaking Blazers, uh, the Blazers, right? And uh, I was like, man, I'm going to Seattle and have everything I want. Baseball, basketball, football. The baseball team was terrible. They broke my heart. And the basketball team left. And so young Zach as a kid was like, well, to heck with that. I'm not a fan of anybody. There's a reason why. I don't have a favorite team. That's why the Seattle sports world broke my heart. But Julian, I'm, I'm happy you're a fan of Seattle sports teams. Uh, I love that, man. I'm happy for you. And I've, I've never been to a Seahawks game, but I know that people say they're incredible. I hope you get to go to a game someday. I hear they're really, really loud, really, really fun. Guys, that's all I have for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. And um, man, I, I just uh, I want to end the show with my favorite song in the world. I listened to this so many times today. It's awesome. I love it. This is Wasted Time by Almost Blonde. Again, it's Almost Blonde and their single, Wasted Time. Have a great day. Enjoy the, uh, the song and take care. Follow his dreams, a young man. Take a seat as I jump in the deep. So you can learn from my mistakes to cut the weight from your feet. I was once like you and you'll be just like me. Don't mistake me for somebody that you shouldn't believe. Do you remember the person that you aspired to be? Well, he packed up his bags and he's ready to leave. It's all the brick, it's time to think of what you want to achieve. Cause there's a different path for the life you need. If it was easy, everybody would have followed your lead. And you will get no respect until you start to succeed. And people still are gonna cut you just to watch you bleed. Take it from the old man that used to walk in your feet. time.